0: Hello. Just a couple quick notes before we start this week's show. One, the show was fairly lengthy. Uh, I don't really apologize for it. Aiden and I really had a good conversation, uh, and we got a little carried away, maybe answering some questions. But it's there, and I think it's it's good. So I, I'm not really that sorry. But just so you know, it's 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 a bit lengthy. Um, two, the Women's Hampshire FA Cup final has been postponed, uh, so do not go down to Portsmouth. It's, the good news is you don't have to go to Portsmouth. Uh, the bad news is it's, it's been postponed. I don't have any other information on it, so I uh, just wanted to give you a heads up because I've been talking about it for a few weeks uh, here. And third, there are a few uh, small curse words in this episode, uh, so if you listen around children, maybe put your headphones on. Um, it's probably nothing they haven't heard before, but I had to tell you that. So now, uh, here's the show. You're listening to the Southampton Delivery P- P- Podcast, a podcast dedicated to the Southampton Football Club and all of the SFC fans. You just got to go, go out and, and express yourself.
1: You just got to get,
0: get the job done. I'm here to, to get the job done. I've got y'all.
1: To Mane, 25 yards out. Lovely for Onside, Very, very embarrassing to watch. And now,
0: and now your, host, your host,
1: Matt Orl- Markstone.
0: Hello and welcome to another episode of the Southampton Delivery Podcast, a podcast dedicated to the Southampton Football Club and all of the SFC fans. My name is Matt Markson. I'm the host of the show. And no matter where you are, no matter how you may be listening, thank you for making the show part of your day. I hope that you enjoy it. The show this week is brought to you as always in partnership with the saints report for all your Southampton FC news and needs. Be sure to visit the saints report on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook. You will not be disappointed on this week's show. Although we are in the middle of an international period, and although many of the players that saints sent out on international duty have come back for one reason or another, uh, we still have plenty to talk about. There's still a lot of things going on, and uh, with a new manager, with Mark Hughes now in charge uh, and leading the team into his first Premier League game this coming weekend against West Ham, uh, things are very important. Things are um, heating up. Things are how whatever cliche you would like to use uh, to help you understand or help others around you understand the importance of the games that are coming up over the next few days and weeks. Um, use them. Understand it, because it is a huge. Huge period uh, of the season for the team, and and despite that, it's always a little strange coming into an international break when you're in the middle of one and there's not a lot going on. It's kind of you know what are you? I always worry. What am I going to talk about? What are my guests? What what are my guests and I going to discuss while we're here? Uh, But that didn't really happen this time. Uh, It it was pretty clear early on the the kind of issues that needed discussing, uh, whether it's Bertrand's role in the England national team or. Hughes's impact or Austin's impact as he comes back, and I get to talk about all of those things with my guest for this week, Mr. Aiden Small of FreshSaints.com. So he owns and runs FreshSaints.com. So if you haven't checked that out yet, you should. Uh, the link is in the show notes. You can also find him on Twitter at Mr. Aiden Small and at FreshSaints. And so Aiden and I are going to discuss all of those issues. Uh, we'll talk about all of them. He was on the Total Saints podcast. We a t- little bit of overlap, not a ton. Uh, ben and I are very, very different. Um, and, and speaking of other Saints podcasts you should listen to, if you haven't listened to the Saints FC podcast this week with Matthew Latissier. there's a question and answer section, uh, and, and John was able to get down there and record it, and it is brilliant. And for even somebody like me who never saw Latissier play live, uh, who never understood really his importance or never got to experience his importance, I think I understand it, uh, but who never got to experience that live or even kind of live on TV um, it is a fantastic, fantastic uh, listen. Uh, one, Leticia sounds more and more just like a regular guy, and it's great uh, because you realize that he's really not. He, Although he is a down-to-earth guy, uh, he is something much more important to to this football team and this football club, and it's it's an honor just to sit and, and just listen to that and listen to the questions come in, and I, I thoroughly enjoyed it. So um, lots and lots of Saints FC kind of content, even though I hate that word, going on this week uh, for you to listen to. You have, so you have the total saints podcast. You have the saints FC podcast with Matt Letitia this week. Uh, and you have my conversation with Aiden small, which is here. And so, uh, Aiden and I talked for a bit. Uh, so it's, 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 it's fairly lengthy and I have packing to do because the next time you hear from me, uh, I will be, uh, in London. The next podcast will come to you from the UK. Uh, my family and I are very excited. Um, I'm also a little bit nervous, Uh, mostly because I'm taking my kids to West Ham, but I think they're going to fight each other and not us. So we should be okay. So uh, I'm going to get off here and let you listen to the conversation we had with Aiden small uh, over the weekend. And uh, I hope that you enjoy it. And if not um, let me know, and maybe we'll change it for next time. And if you did, please share it with someone. Let me know. And remember, you can always get in touch with this, this show on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook. Uh, The links are in the show notes. And we'll uh, repeat that of course, in the, uh, in the exit uh whatever the outro if that's a word. So anyway, without further ado, let's get to my conversation with Mr. Aiden Small of FreshSaints.com. Here he is. I'll talk to you on the other side. We'd like to welcome back to the Southampton Delivery Podcast, Aiden Small. Uh he's on Twitter at Mr. Aiden Small, and he is often the man behind the scenes at Fresh Saints. So Aidan, welcome back to the show. Uh, pleasure to talk to you again. And uh, even with the international break kind of looming over us, uh, still plenty of stuff going on with the club and, and outside the club to talk about. So welcome back to the show, and thanks.
1: Thanks for having me on, Matt. Absolute pleasure. been really looking forward to this one.
0: Yeah, yeah. We've been trying to work it out for a
1: little while, but just... Yeah, it's just, been overdue. It's been overdue. Yeah. But it'd be good to get talking about it.
0: Yeah, and uh, it being the, uh, the international break, you watching any international football, are you watching any non league football or what's your what's your preference on on those two?
1: Weirdly enough, actually been down watching Hereford Football Club today. Um in the non league Premier Southern, uh and top of the table and a big five one win. So, you know, you know, at a time when maybe Saints aren't meeting all of our winning needs, managed to pick off the feeling of today. Um yeah, nice lovely little boost that. Um, and they had an absolute unit at centre forward, six foot three bloke, but his you know body in front of everything. So, uh, Saints should get down and scouting for uh, this big target man. Yeah,
0: and he would have brought it. He probably would have been cheaper <laughs> than Carrillo, you know,
1: <laughs> just a bit. I think we could probably buy him for a pie. I've got. You know. <laughs> You've
0: been much more productive with your time than I have, as I've have made a managerial bracket based on the hotness of each manager, and uh, I'm getting ready to go into the second round after having a Twitter vote. So. I think your day has been a little bit more productive <laughs> than, than mine, um, but you know, we had somebody ask some questions about it, so maybe we'll we'll get to the uh, we'll get to that as as it comes. But that's that's down the line a little ways. So um, any any updates with with Fresh Saints before we kind of jump into to the team news and things like that?
1: No, no, not, not as such, but you know, keep pushing out the content on our uh, every couple of days. So you know, feel free to check it out at www.freshsaints.com. Um, and every Monday, our it's still uh, with the Daily Mail. Um, you can pick that up in every Monday edition of the paper, um, or online for the for the full report.
0: All right, all right. And I do see those come out, and I, I enjoy reading them. And so it's it's, it's nice to nice to see. And congratulations to you on on being up there.
1: Thank you very much, Matt.
0: Yeah. Um, well, let's let's go back to uh, you know I didn't really have a proper sit down interview with anybody on the Hughes appointment. I talked with a couple people, kind of bits and pieces, but. Uh, it'd be nice to pick your brain on that. And obviously, he, he went into his first match last week. He got the victory. We didn't necessarily look good in the first half. But um, just what is it about Hughes that, if anything, it signals like he's, he's maybe is the right man to, to do the job? And or maybe if you don't think that, uh, what is it about him that maybe uh, you have some questions about?
1: I think the most important thing that we've got to remember, and uh, generally with this whole appointment, is that this isn't a season-long appointment, and this isn't a, a three-year contract. I mean, we are running down to eight games um, and, and that's the bottom line of it. We've got eight games to save our, you know, our premier League status. So I think instantly you've kind of got to think about the kind of traits and the, the kind of experience and the, the characteristics you want from your manager to bring across to your team. Um, and in that sense, I'm, I'm slightly encouraged by by the appointment of Hughes. I think he's a manager that's, as, as Hoiberg said in, his, in one of his post-match interviews, he's Kind of instantly commanded respect from the players they understand what he's achieved in the game um and as a player um and he's someone who knows about winning it's a very cliche term to throw around but i think when it's eight games i think it's something that can give the team boost and i think something as simple as respect and just nailing the absolute basics of, of what hughes has put in place at, at say stoke when he, he finished in the top 10 for three seasons running off hadn't been in the top 10 um for years under tony pulis there um, so I'm just hoping that he can drill across the absolute basics. Um, and at least I think if he can get our players digging out 70% of their talent, I think we've got enough to beat the drop. Um, I think it's actually a little harsh maybe to throw him in the, the same ring of the Pardews, um, and maybe the Allardyces. I mean, if you if you look on our website at, at Fresh Saints, we uh, we carried out a, an in-depth analysis of a season-by-season look at his, his managerial Career and achievements, um, and genuinely, when you take a look at it and take you know a step back from it, it's it's a pretty impressive CV on the whole. Um, I think there's there's a number of instances where he has been sacked or pushed out the door and things have gone sour, but under such times, it was it was under poor management right at the very top of the club um you know it, it was one of those where it's kind of infected right in the roots of the club and managers both before and after have failed drastically in those jobs and uh, a lot of them failed even worse than Hughes did um so i think in a number of jobs maybe Hughes wasn't you know an issue as as much as it's been been played out to be um and i think there's a number of appointments in the past where he's done a good job sure you can look to the the final run at Stoke um and i mean that is certainly a concern you can't just wave that off for the 3 years you know if you're going to praise the 3 years you've got to to look at where it went wrong in that final season. But the bottom line is, is that it's not a full season. Um, this isn't a three-year appointment. This is for eight games. Um, and I think the club decided they couldn't afford to take any risks any longer. Um, they had to go with someone that, that knows how to handle particular teams in the Premier League, um, that's worked around it in, you know. recently, has a good knowledge of other Premier League sides. And he's just capable of being a man motivator, um, filling a number of players who, you know, underperformed with confidence. Um, And I think mainly it's going to be the psychological impact um, I think we've got enough players who are, who are technical enough. All we need to do is find a relatively basic understanding of, of what we want to do out on the pitch, so long as he can inspire them, um, put confidence back in them and let them know that they are good enough, that they can bring the game to the opposition. Um, and and that commanding that respect and making you know, them really fight for the team. Because in too many games this season, it's an awfully cliche thing to say, but the bottom line is, is that we're in this position and we haven't shown enough fight um, and, and enough wanting for the manager. So few games I've seen players fighting for, for Pellegrino and even when the going gets tough and we thought, you know, maybe at least they'll dig in now. They never did. Um, and, and yeah, the last weekend's game under Hughes, as you said, the first half, it was a, a worrying first half performance. But... For all we know, the players could have got out there and began to panic. It's the FA Cup at the end of the day, and we're going to cause the number of Premier League teams, I think four Premier League teams before us, um, or at least running over into last season's run for them as well. Um, So, you know, they've given Premier League teams a good challenge. But the most important thing that encouraged me was not just that we got the goals, but, but the way in which the team managed to go about getting them. You know, it was all kind of summed up by Cedric's 91st minute run from the left wing bombing on forward. That never would have happened before. Um, it was summed up by Redmond coming on for Befau when we were already winning. Um, it was summed up by players still continuing to bomb on in the latter stages of the game. Um, and let's not forget, we scored those two goals and we missed the penalty. And Gabbiadini also missed the sitter. So, in, you know, four chances there that are clear cut. Um, and I can't remember the last time we created four clear cut chances in a single game. Um, and you can say, yeah, it was a league one. It was league one opposition. but You've got to beat what's put out in front of you at the end of the day. Um, and we could have done it in a horrific fashion in the second half, but relatively encouraged by that second half performance.
0: Yeah. A couple, couple of things that i like to talk about a little bit there is you mentioned him being kind of a man motivator. And if you look back at, at Pochettino and Kuman, both of those guys were commanding your respect in the locker room and on the touchline. And I think all the players that were there would work for the manager. Puel and and, and Pellegrino, I think you have the opposite. They're they're kind of more reserved, a little bit more quiet. Um, tactics aside, those maybe maybe that just doesn't work for these players. And because Hughes comes in, and you can tell he's much more kind of energetic. He seems to be involved in in training, and he's if you look at just mm. the the images and stuff, he's he's in people's faces in there. And 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 the, Bertrand Hoyberg, everybody said you know he's brought some intensity. He's brought he's brought those things back. And yeah, and I think that that is what you need, especially with eight games to go. And and it, long, mm. if Hughes can recognize that i think that is that's important and if the players can pick up on that already i think that's great and you know sure we had we had a poor first half and like you said you can't just write it off but we haven't really had a good second half most most matches this season it's we go into halftime and you you can see oh one or two little tweaks and maybe we unlock the defense or one or two little tweaks and maybe we can take this game over and it never happens and Mm. we went in at halftime probably uh, lucky to be nil nil And then we came out and we were just a completely different team the second half. And so I have to give the manager some some credit there. And although, sure, you have Stoke fans and and even some City fans that are not uh, the biggest on on Hughes and and what he did there. But I think if you, you know, some of those relationships run sour. People remember Mourinho, uh, not always for the titles, but for kind of the way it ends. And that's usually how it goes, you know. And sometimes the relationships are much better before that. So, uh, like I said, short term, everybody understands what's going on here. You know, there there are no... You know, in the morning there will be no kind of like, "Are you hanging around or what?" Like, no, he's yeah. got eight games, and then we're out, and then and then we'll 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 reassess after that.
1: Yeah, I I I agree with you. I kind of like how simple things have become there. Um, and and I'd I'd have loved to just find out what he said in that halftime team talk. I want to know whether it was a you know rocket up the ass kind of team talk <laughs> or whether it was whether it was a cool calming kind of you know turning around looking at them and going boys what you're better than that I, i'd love to know whether whether he took a calm approach and you know it's one of those things i think someone should definitely ask him come the end of the season um you know if we do manage to beat the drop that'd be an interesting little thing to find out because kind of really lifted the fans up that second half performance um so you know i mean who knows it could turn out to be potentially season to
0: yeah yeah and and. I have been saying for some time and looking at that run we had in March that by the end of March, we needed to be clear of the drop. And And, and I was thinking, you know, six points clear. And obviously we're not going to be that now because we only have one more game uh, and it, it's against West Ham. And even if we win, you know, maybe we move a point or two out of it, but we'll just have to see. And, and now it's just you just got to grind it out. You have to find a way to to improve. You have to find a way to beat teams and, and get and gain points each and every week and just make sure you're not relying on other people having to lose for you to be able to be safe. I think we you got to take what you can and and hopefully, you know, he's you can do that. And uh yeah, I kind of think I kind of think he will. I kind of think it, this is the right type of manager uh right type of coach for the team in this situation.
1: Yeah, I, I would agree. I would agree. And I think also going back to what you said about Coleman and the respect that he kind of commanded. I think often Coleman kind of took up a naive approach tactically and we kind of played some really ugly football at times, but Sheerly because he was Ronald Koeman and he had that kind of respect from the players. No one dared undermine him and no one dared not work for him um, still. And I think Mark Hughes could bring similar to Saints, especially over across you know an eight-game period. And lots of people say, oh, he gets worked out and whatever. But we haven't got time to work anyone out. We've got eight games left. You know, Games are coming so thick and fast that it's going to be dealing with the absolute basics. And I think lots of the worries that people have over Hughes simply aren't applicable to an eight game situation where the squad just need a morale boost and to, to nail their basics.
0: Yeah. I, some people, uh, some of the Stoke fans I saw tweeting at some of the saints fans were talking about the transfer window and some of the players that he bought and maybe whether he bought him or Stoke bought him, I don't think he's gonna have any business in, even if he hangs around, you know, L- Les Reed mm. seems to take care of most of that, but there's no transfer window right now. He's got the squad he has. Exactly. And this is, he's exactly. just got to figure out how to, how to get us to score goals. And I think he won a lot of fans over the moment he put out that lineup and he had two strikers up top. Like, that that for for most fans or I won't say most fans for a lot of fans that that for them was he obviously recognizes we need this or whatever or or he's listening or whatever it is and, and people were happy with that and I was happy with that. I thought you know it's a it's a fairly kind of basic formation. I think people think of it as um you know we almost every kind of under 18 team in the in the states where I live in California, everybody plays 442. Uh, and then it's mm-hmm. not until you get, you know, up into higher kind of divisions that you start kind of mixing in the four, two, three, one or four, three, three or whatever else it is. But, you know, the fact that he put two strikers up top and, and I think that just signals something to the, to the, uh, to, to the fan base that like he's, he's willing to kind of go after it and we're not going to sit back and do it. And we'll, we'll see how he approaches, uh, kind of the rest of the matches. But, um, with that kind of, uh, formation, you know, uh, we have a player coming back in, in Austin who's back training with the squad now. Um, and, and, and I, it's moving towards that, I, I guess, what, what impact does he have on, you know, our striker situation we have, it's, it's kind of funny to think of all the strikers we have long is the only international, um, mm-hmm. you know, that he's the only one <laughs> gone on, on international duty right now, uh, to so see. So he has Gabby, Dini, Austin, and Carillo all there to work together, all there to work with him. And that was something that I, that I thought this during this international break, we have a lot of players that are still around. There's a core group of players that yeah. are still there. That, that he can work with and kind of get ready for this run-in and the players that are kind of maybe out on, on you know, playing for internationally, you know, you think of Buffal who's going to probably get more game time for Morocco than he will for for Saints and things like that. So now he's going to be able to go out and maybe get back in form and we saw Tadich score a goal it, and we'll come to him in a little bit. But um, I, I guess going back to Austin and and Carrillo and uh, Gabidini, what impact does Austin have coming into the fold now as we move forward? Who, maybe who who loses out uh, what formation do you think best suits Austin? And, and maybe if he has a partner, which partner do you think is best for him?
1: I think in, in my eyes, in this current situation, in Saints' current zone, uh, Charlie Austin for me is without a doubt our, our best striker. Um, I, I think we've got plenty of players in the squad that are capable of playing the, the pretty game. Um, but what I think recently, and, and especially over the past year or two, we've lacked that ugly, ruthless side. Um, a, a little bit of the Ricky, Ricky Lambert in ways. You know, someone that just can do the absolute basics of centre-forward play. Someone that's willing to back up with his man, challenge them, go, you know, shoulder-to-shoulder shoulder with them. And someone who can cleanly strike a ball. And I mean, absolutely leather a ball. Austin is impacting in his ability to find goal-scoring opportunities. It is above and beyond that of the rest of our squad. And I mean, I, I, I'm a big fan of Gabbiadini's movement move and, and what have you. But, I mean, you look at the numbers, the, the minutes that Austin's played in comparison to others and the goals that he, he's got minute by minute is, is off the scales, Um you know, even, you know, swinging across to the whole uh, XG and stats side of things. he's He's got, you know, four times the, the number of expected goals as Cabiadini, long in half the amount of minutes. Um, he, he's absolutely racing ahead of them. Um, and I'm, I'm a huge fan of Boston. And he's got this weird tendency to actually play better in a team that's struggling for an identity and a team that's really struggling to, to you know, find their feet um he almost thrives on on being the savior for a team in situations like that and I feel like he absolutely revels in in the you know the team's struggling Charlie's coming back and he it's his time to make his mark on the team um I feel like he he just absolutely loves that um but I do think that Mark Hughes is going to continue with putting Gabbiadini in the side and I think Mark Hughes selecting Gabbiadini for the penalty um maybe was a, a little bit of a a sign of what's to come. I think he wanted to get some some confidence back in Gabby getting score him on the first game. Um and it's a real shame that he didn't score that because it was it wasn't yes. even a bad penalty. Um it's a real shame that it would have been lovely to kick him off with that. But in the longer run, um I'm I'm not overly fussed on on the formation side of things. I'd just like to see Austin and Gabby Adini both in the team um the bottom line is that we haven't scored enough goals this season um and at majority of the season under Pellegrino we've only had one player on the pitch that I would say is perfectly capable of scoring 10 plus goals in a season um and the bottom line you know we came into this season talking about Europa ambitions if you don't have more than one player in your team who's outright expected to get 10 plus goals in a season you're going to struggle to score goals you know, it's as simple as that. I mean, Redmond was our second top goalscorer and he had seven Premier League goals in the season before. Um, and you compare that to the the previous seasons where we had 12 from from Long, 15 from Peller, and 14 from Mane. That's three players with 10 plus goals. Mm-hmm. And at any one time in this season, you know, we've only fielded one, and that's our centre forward. You know, the foul's there for the trickery and finding pockets of space, but he's not a goal scorer. Um, Tadic is there, either needle passes, but again, you know, you can only really rely on Tadic to get five odd goals in a season. Um, So I think for the remainder of, of, of the year, as much as I'd like to. To think that we can play the beautiful football with uh, you know numerous attacking midfielders and wingers in in the holes there. I think it's important that we get Austin back into the lineup, someone that's proven that he can score in this rut for us. Um, and and I think because uh, Mark Hughes had previous interest with Gabbiadini at Stoke and um, you know he's, he's tried to sign him in the past, and I think he clearly favours him. I'd quite like to see maybe Gabbiadini working in behind Austin um, or maybe on the right hand side, um, you know, working as a, a kind of inside forward, but. I'd just like to see two recognized goal scorers out on the field. It doesn't have to be, you know, two up top as such. um, But, you know, two goal scorers out on the field in some capacity. Yeah. yeah.
0: So I guess kind of thinking about it and trying to put a lineup together in my head, you know, uh, we have guys like, you know, so you kind of gone with Austin and Gabby Dini up up front somewhere. Um, Mm -hmm. If you, if you kind of drop back to that midfield, if we play four, four, two, it's flat. You have, yeah. Is it Romelu that comes in? I, is it is it Lamina and Hoiberg that, that start in the middle there?
1: Uh, I think Lamina and Hoiberg, you'd have to roll with them after you know last weekend's performance and, and the positivity we showed in the second half. Um, although I do think Romelu's still got a part to play in this season um, and I still think that Mark Hughes will like that type of player. Um, on the wings, I'd, I'd like to see Nathan get back in, in, into the side, get his confidence back up. He's had a fresh start um, and and Bafal's trickery as well. I mean, I, I just love watching Sofiane play um, and I think with two goal scorers on the pitch and the, the new manager effect, I'd love to see Sofiane have a, a big ending to, the, to his season. Um, but again, Tadic, I'm, I'm hoping he can rediscover some form there and I think Mark Hughes potentially coming into this will think, you know, so Talic has created so many chances so consistently um, over the years. And I mean, lots of people will criticise his performances at times and rightly so. Um, but, you know, Mark Hughes will be thinking, I need to, to put the ball in the back of the net, at, you know, bottom line. That's what that's what he's got to do. Um, and Talich has got a proven record um, over the years of, of you know, helping, helping others into doing so. Um, but yeah, I'd, I'd like to see Nathan and Sofian on the wing. I think that would be, that'd be something that interests me.
0: All right. All right. And then I guess the back four kind of stays the same, right? Like, yeah, that, that, yeah. I don't think there's any real change in that. And it'll be interesting to see as my gets more and more healthy. I, I kind of feel like he's just going to play almost the, the, the per murder zacker at Arsenal role and just kind of guide those young center backs in. He's not going to play very yeah, I often. Think so.
1: um, and then, yeah, good for the squad morale. And I mean, Speaking of it, I mean, we haven't even talked about Alex McCarthy. Every he's just a given in the lineup now, isn't he? Every week. Um, I mean, so much credit to Alex McCarthy. Uh, you know, we God knows what other situation we could have been if we we didn't decide to put him in the side. And I think testament to him is that most game weeks we don't even come away saying anything about him. Right,
0: right, and because for so long, for so many matches, we were always there were always kind of glaring mistakes from from Forster that would either yeah. lead to a goal or you know, uh, almost lead to a goal for, for the opposition. And so the fact that McCarthy for, for the most part, there's nothing to say about him because he's just doing his job and that's great. And yeah. maybe that speaks to the guys in front of him doing it slightly better as well. But um, he, there have been a couple of matches where he's made some fantastic saves uh, where he has, and I think the only mistake I can ever think of him making was kind of when he handled the ball on the edge of the area, maybe possibly outside the area, you know uh, and I forget even who it was against, but uh, other than that, I think he's been, he's been wonderful. So, um, yeah, he, he's, he, I think that team is, is strong and I think that team offers like goals and it, a threat going forward and you yeah. have pace, you have trickery, you have, uh, kind of the guy who's going to boss people around and the guy who's going to make good runs and now, now we just got to find him. So I think that that's, that's pretty strong there. Um, and I, I guess some of the other things that, that came up this week. Um, Cedric spoke to, I think a Portuguese, uh, news, Mm. news source, uh, some of his comments that I don't know, you know, not, not directly quoting him here, but something about negotiating some sort he was looking to exit and, uh, the price that came in for Van Dyke, they were both negotiating exit at the same time. And the price for Van Dyke was so much that Les Reed said yes, but he told Cedric, you know, you can't leave. Um, first of all, is, is this even a story? Is this something we need to kind of look at and talk about, or, or do you think it, Does it does it affect maybe the way he's he's played the season or explain
1: the way he's played the season or anything like that? Well, I've got to admit, when I first saw this, I kind of thought, "What?" I was I was just so confused by this. I don't think anyone expected this story out. I don't really think anyone had any idea that this was going on um, behind the scenes. First and foremost, I would say you know one thing I've always said that I'd I'd like Southampton to have done with their negotiations. We kind of come to an agreement that with players, by way of moving on, you can't come to Southampton have one good year and and try and find your move. Um, that's one thing I I heavily disagree with. You know, I think a lot of sometimes fans have maybe given unjust hatred to a number of players who've who've spent three years here and, and really put in their work and end up getting bad treatment when they leave. Um, but Cedric, I you know, the first year under komen let's not forget that he was being benched for Kuka Martina largely. Um, and I, I would say he's only had just in total one good season um, and that's under under Puel. Mm-hmm. Um, I think he had a very good season that year. Um, and I wouldn't particularly say he's been bad this season. i put it this way, I wouldn't say he is one of the least of our worries uh, at right back. I don't feel like Cedric is an, an issue at all. Um, and for us to be maybe looking at saying, you know, oh, we can afford to throw him out of the team, I would completely disagree. In fact, I'd say, you know, you look outside the top six at the other people's, uh, the other side's fullbacks. We have probably got the best fullback outside of there. You know, maybe Seamus Coleman at Everton. But he, he's been out injured for a long while. Um, and let's not forget he is a Euro winner as, as well. I mean, so too to is Jose Fonte, but um <laughs> But yeah, no, I I, I kind of appreciate the honesty, perhaps because he's still remaining a professional. He never kicked up a fuss, um, still seems very much involved in all the things that Southampton appeared to be doing. Um, I can't say I'm a fan of him perhaps trying to force the move, um, but at the end of the day, he's got his head down. I don't think his attitude has been particularly poor. Um, I've seen a number of people saying, you know, oh, fine, he can leave because, you know, his crossing's bad. But I, I think at this time of the club's, you know, situation they find themselves in maybe now is not the best time to judge a player's potential or or capacity i think you know a lot of players have been affected by this um and it's, uh, you know players are humans at the end of the day some players thrive in being in a relegation scrap and and really rise up to it um and others are demotivated naturally you know i think that's the bottom line of it um and maybe it's a appe- you know it's been a little less appealing for cedric um some would say tough shit, um, but I, I, I think he's. I think he's a perfectly good asset for the team, and I don't think he's an issue to worry about at all. Um, and generally speaking, I think outside the top six, we've arguably got the best pair of fullbacks in the league. Yeah,
0: no, I I would I would normally go with that as well, and I I don't think Cedric has been as good this year as he as he was last year. I think that's that's obvious, yeah, but um, you know. I don't think any of our players have been as good as, as they were in previous years. So yeah, it, it, exactly. it's a, it's a exactly. kind of a whole squad thing. And who knows? I mean, maybe, maybe you're just asking too much of him when you're, he's really kind of the only threat going down that side and you're expecting him to do, you know, cover all this ground and do all this. And like you said, there aren't very many fullbacks out there who can do all that. I think a lot of, there are a lot of teams out there who would, if, if you offer them a trade of fullbacks, they'd take it right away. You know, oh, there there wouldn't it's
1: be, it's not your hand for it.
0: Yeah. So I, I, and like you said, I, I do, uh, I do appreciate his honesty in, in, you know, saying that he was possibly looking to, to leave because I think if you look around at what the club was doing at that point, kind of the, how they handled the, the Puel situation and the players must have known that was coming, like, why wouldn't you want to get out of there? Why wouldn't you go look for something else and, and go yeah. go somewhere where you can enjoy your football and the fans that kind of, you know, seem to enjoy it as well because the, the atmosphere at St. Mary's towards the end of last year, remember, was, was terrible um, mm-hmm. and – and it's, I don't think it's anybody's fault. I just think it's, it was a combination of, of, of a number of frustrations kind of building up. And uh, the players feel that too. They're not, they're not immune to that as much as we would like them to be.
1: Yeah, and I think it's also sometimes people forget this is a lad who came off the back of, of winning a Euro tournament. And if you're young and you know you, you win the Euros with Portugal, why wouldn't you feel confident in yourself? Why wouldn't you back yourself? Um, and at the end of the day, he's Portuguese. He's he's not from Southampton. He hasn't got. Let's be honest, you know, let's not lie to ourselves. He hasn't got a heartfelt affiliation for Southampton. He hasn't got this reason to feel like he should undyingly stay here and prove to every Southampton fan for four years that he can be the best. Sure, I, I think he's committed professional, um, but you can't expect such you know crazy loyalty from players and. And as, I mean, as, God knows what we, he could have been thinking about Pellegrino this whole time. Let's not forget that he might be thinking his career is potentially on the line under under Pellegrino and how much the side's been restricted. He could have been hating the past few months. And, you know, it's hard enough for us fans supporting and turning up one day a week. Imagine, you know, maybe dealing with <laughs> Pellegrino and, on a five, you know, six day basis a week. Um, so, you know, we've got no idea. I think right now it, everyone's just focused on the keeping us up and, you know, in the summer, then we'll come to review that. Um, but I think right now, I don't think we can really question the, the commitment of any of our players, really
0: kind of moving on. There were Rob Adam Evans, who who writes for fresh chains uh, mm-hmm. recently put out a piece about, about Romelu and some of the performances that he's had and, and maybe hopefully uh, the ability of, of Hughes to be able to reignite him a little bit. And it, it, it's interesting because if you, you kind of look at the players who were so good for us one season and then kind of fell off, the season after that and how quickly they go from being heroes to, to kind of being vilified and and blamed for a lot of things. And honestly, as a, as a fan, I'm trying to find a reason that we're not succeeding this season, you know? And, and, mm. and I think the tendency is to find a place to, to place the, to put the blame. And, and sometimes it falls on, on Ramey because he seems to be the one in midfield who is slow, uh, who is you know, losing possession slightly more, or at least it appears slightly more than he has in previous seasons. Uh, who you know he, he's not as exciting as his Hoiberg or Lamina. That's just the bottom line. Is he's not that type mm. of player. So um, when we're playing slow, we want players who are on the on the pitch who are going to move the ball a little quicker and be a little bit more kind of dynamic. And that's definitely what Lamina and Hoiberg seem to seem to bring to the team. But um, looking at him, does he fit in? You think to to this Hughes side, and and what 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 do you think he needs to change about his bat or about his game? I should say. Um, in order for him to kind of get back to the remeu of, of, of a year ago rather than the remeu of this season,
1: I think Rob and I were discussing that he's kind of become a, I guess you could say, like a symptom of like the disease that was Pellegrino um, because of the negativity that he spread throughout this side. I mean, so often. You know, when the team was, you, you know, we go a goal up, say, um, and we uh, we retreat in a, in a bid to, you know, protect our lead. Um, and and instantly that then places Romeo on the edge of his box. Um, so instantly he's in a territory where he knows that if that player gets past him, they've got a good good shot on goal. Um, or or you know, he's in a dangerous area to commit a foul. Um, and it instantly kind of takes that bite that Romeo has out of his game. He's got to be a little more conservative. He's sitting deep. He's remaining patient um, and and I don't think that suits Romelu's game. I think he's always best playing at a high intensity, playing instinctive. I don't think he's as good when things, you know, slow down in that sense. I, I think Romelu's brilliant when the game's madness, in all honesty. Uh, I think I, I love watching him on the heels of the opponent. I love him going for the high press. And often under parole we didn't really we didn't ever really adopt that that deep positioning that we did uh under Pellegrino um the football w- was dull, but you know lots of the time we kept possession for possessions sake we kept it high up the field um With So, you know, when Romeo would win the ball and and we're we're pressing positively or winning the ball back positively, he's winning it high up the field and laying it off to his teammate and he's initiating the counter attack. But the speed with which Southampton build up this season on the occasion that Romeo will win the ball back, you know, he lays it off to his man, but it just looks like a dull pass. It doesn't look like he's initiating anything because the negativity that Pellegrino spread throughout this squad. Um, And I think also, you know, he's a La Masia product. He he grew up in and around, you know, Barcelona, believing that, you take the game to the opposition. You play the way that you want to play, and the opposition react to you. You know, you you take control and they react to, to what you're doing at the heart of the midfield. But under Pellegrino so often, he was telling Romeu to react to the opposition, to be in fear of the opposition, to be wary of what the opposition are doing. And I just don't think that's in Romeo's DNA. Um and the simple thing then, as as the fans on watching, you know, you're watching Romeo's a typically more negative player playing in a system where he's not flourishing in a negative team, and you say Yeah, you know, no wonder we're not scoring goals because we need, you know, more dynamic central midfielders. I don't even think it's particularly the issue. I think, you know, lots of the time, if you play a defensive you know, a defensive midfielder, sometimes it can add more attacking flair to your side because, you know, he's able to let the attackers flourish. You know, he's able to plug the gaps for them. He's able to win the ball back and give it to them higher up the field. Um, and, you know, lots of the time, fielding an attacking player doesn't mean the team's going to be more attacking. It's creating the best unit possible. Um, and that's something that, you know, Pellegrino fell drastically with. And, you know, I, I, I'd just give Romeo a... a Free pass for the last few months, in all honesty. I'd throw it behind, forget about it, because there's not one single player that, that developed under Pellegrino. Not one player, you know, thrived. And you look back to Claude Puel, uh Cedric definitely had his best ever career season. I think he'd agree with that. Mm-hmm. Jack Stevens had his breakthrough season. Van Dijk was exceptional. Van Dijk wasn't exceptional under Pellegrino. Let's not forget that. Right. Bertrand definitely had a better season. Um, uh, Nathan Redmond had his best Premier League season to date. So instantly you see there that, you know, it's got to be something deeper than just Romeo having an off year, if if not a single other player in the squad's flourished either. Yeah,
0: no, You're that's a, that's a hundred percent accurate. And, I think sometimes it just, we, we lose kind of the the big picture perspective and the ability to look back and, and kind of put it all in perspective. And I know that could be because even trying to think about that kind of going into a game and you're focused on what's going wrong and all we kind of say is, well, this has happened before and mm-hmm. we just leave it at that. And so I think sometimes it's good to, to kind of look back and, and see, this is, see him as a symptom or see this as a symptom of, of what is wrong with the team now based on kind of the manager we've had for you know, the majority of a season, who really I thought they were going to stick with him the entire time. i did not had we not lost in the manner we did to Newcastle, I bet you he stays and and yeah, and you know, so thank you rafa Benitez for for doing that to us because. <laughs> Because uh, I don't think we were going to improve enough to to kind of stay up. But I mean, coming out of this international break, we're kind of going into. Uh, well, let's let's pause there for a second. Let's let's look at the international kind of break and competition. Um, the England squad specifically, only one mm-hmm. only one player from from Southampton makes makes the squad. And Bertrand he pulls out because of precautionary injury. Um, listening to people talk about about Danny Rose should be on the left hand side. Personally, I mean, I like watching Spurs when it was Danny Rose and Kyle Walker. I thought that was that was fantastic. But I don't yeah. feel like they've missed him uh, at all, uh, really. And I think I think Bertrand can offer so much more. And I know you were having a discussion with Michael Cox, which is uh, yeah. an accomplishment in a feat of itself. And. Uh, <laughs> But you know, you were having a conversation with him uh, where, where he seems to like Brian Bertrand a lot as well. And so I guess going going into Russia or going to Russia this summer, is it just Bertrand has a chance to be in the squad uh, for England and, and actually get some game time? Or do you see anybody else that, that has a chance maybe to do that? And then when we talk about Bertrand, do you think he's actually going to get minutes or do you think he's going to be stuck behind Rose and maybe even Ashley Young?
1: I think uh, just to you know, sing Bertrand's praises for the past few years, I think... He's arguably my, my favourite Saints player over the past few years. The consistency that that bloke plays with is, is absolutely brilliant. I think, and in terms of a professional, he's a absolute inspiration for, for the rest of the squad um, and for any Southampton youngsters. I mean, he's as as professional as they come. Um, he's he, such a consistent player. Um, and and I would definitely be starting him for England Um, one that interests me the idea of potentially playing him as as a left centre-back I think we'll remember when he he played under in that position under Ronald Koeman Um, and you know testament to how professional he is that was in the build-up to the Euros Um, Danny Rose was playing out of his skin for Spurs at at left back Uh, meanwhile Bertrand's you know playing left centre-back you never hear a peep out of him I think the amount of other you know professionals who would have kicked up a fuss and been a little prima donna about things like that um it, it so many would have done that um but he was absolutely faultless in that position i think southgate's clearly interested in playing in th- you know the three center backs and, and full backs um and i definitely think with with the you know the form uh, of our center backs and the amount that haven't played um i would be open to playing birchin as a left sided center back um potentially with stones um for you know the ball playing ability and in terms of a defender out and out defender I, I still think Phil Jones is probably just about the best defender England have got obviously you've got the worries of you know his fitness and what have you but but yeah I'd like to see him in in there um it seems that maybe Rose's legs are, are a little bit more a little shot um and everyone kind of expected him to come back into the side with the same intensity but it's it's been a kind of worrying return for for Danny Rose so far but yeah I I think Bertrand is is more than capable of of starting, and I think he deserves to, um, especially his performance levels over the past year and a half when the Saints team have been dire uh, many times. Um, Outside of that, uh, I'd, I'd like the idea maybe of Ward Prowse playing in the squad, but is it particularly deserved? Not as much. Is it something that I think he would add plenty to the England squad? Maybe not. His set pieces could be. Could be useful um, for the squad, but at the minute, I don't think you know we can particularly complain with only uh, one player being in the squad. I think it's a given that Bertrand's in there, but the others have, have you know t- to play for England we've got to step up on a more consistent basis than than they have been.
0: Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And kind of going into a World Cup, and I would ask you about the US squad, but it doesn't matter because we're not going. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so uh, you know, you know, going what it takes to kind of win there. If you're going to switch up formations and th- things like that, you have to have players who who are versatile enough to be able to do that. And Bertrand offers you that he can play on the left side of a three. He can play in the mm-hmm. way back role. He can play as a, as a traditional kind of left fullback. Rose doesn't really offer you that. Um, no. So I think that that's a, that's a, that's a testament to him and that, that should kind of help him get in there. But I worry about him getting there and then not getting the game time. And I think, I, I think I, you said he, he might be your favorite. He definitely is my favorite, you know? Uh, yeah. The, you know, he, maybe it's because I'm left footed and I'm pretty bad. So I take <laughs> left back, but like, that's, uh, that, that he just is. I, I like watching him and I, and I try to, you know, I, I think when you're a kid and you watch kind of professionals play and you just like you you go out and try to recreate and do those things. And I find yeah. myself at 32 trying to do what he does <laughs> and it, it looks bad sometimes because I can't do it, but it's still, it's still, uh, it's, it's a work in progress, but it's
1: all right. Yeah. I think he's one of those players. We won't quite realize just how important he is. Uh, until he, he eventually moves on Um, I don't really know what kind of move he would get you know especially you know with his age going on and I think he's pretty content here I think he's loved it and I think he's maybe spent his time at a big club seeing what it's like to not be fully valued by a club Um, spent time at lower league you know lower Premier League clubs that have you know taken him in and thrown him out and I think he's loved just being a mainstay in the Southampton side but I'll tell you, whoever has to replace Bertrand, they have some mighty big boots to fill. Um, and it wouldn't surprise me if there's a big teething teething issue, you know, come the day that he does eventually move on. I think he's one of our best players um, in, in recent years.
0: All right. So kind of building kind of oh, from that, I, I think that the the idea that, that Bertrand will be the only Southampton player in the in the World Cup squad, I don't really think we can, can complain about that. Um, even mm-hmm. with JWP being the the captain of the under twenty threes, and kind of that, he, I don't really think he's done enough to kind of get into that squad yet. Maybe early on, and in, in in the, not even in the qualifying, but in in just kind of friendlies and things like that. Maybe that's fine. But building up to the World Cup, maybe you would hope that uh, the the squad would be a little bit more. It would be about fine tuning right now. Although the squad that Southgate chose, uh, people have a lot of questions about it. But we'll see kind of uh, how they progress, and and hopefully uh, as. I think the the saying goes that you guys tend to think, yeah, we're we're going to win the World Cup, and then you know, out in the out in the quarterfinals or whatever it is. But uh, <laughs> I hope that's I hope that's not true. I hope Kane comes back fit and plays well. And um, yeah. obviously, with uh, I don't have a team in there, so I'll be rooting for you guys for for the most part.
1: I say I'm gutted. I'm gutted that the USA aren't aren't coming. I, I love watching them every time in the World Cup. I think mean, just such a a fun team. It's it's just an interesting team to have in the World Cup, I think it's really annoying. There's a number of brilliant teams missing at this world cup, Chile as well. Italy. I've really enjoyed watching all of those over the years.
0: Yeah. And I mean, even, even the Netherlands as well. Um, who, yeah, had, I
1: mean, I, Netherlands, you get an iron Robin masterclass, you know, or Robin Van Persie masterclass in recent years. And it's just not, not quite that, is it?
0: <laughs> no, no. I, so I remember, uh, I think it was 2010, maybe I had I just graduated from college and I was, uh, you know starting to to teach and i i wasn 't watching football at all it was it was kind of anti football it was all about baseball and um mm. my uh, my buddy is watching the final it was at the spain it was spain netherlands final right yeah. I think. so. It was on like at, you know, 10 a.m. here, 11 a.m. here. And I showed up, um, just orange juice and vodka. And it was just like, this is what <laughs> I'm, and this is how I'm representing the team that I'm cheering for. Um, and I don't remember any of the match. I just remembered like, needing to ride <laughs> home. And that was it. Um, and, that NES the, the goal. That NES the, the goal. Wow. I, I had, I mean, but I just had no idea what was going on. Yeah. You know, I was just, I wasn't even, wa- I wasn't there to watch the game. I was just there to kind of hang out with my friends. Have and, a drink and, yeah. Speech. And have, have a lot of drinks. Um, but um and then you know you you kind of fast forward four years and I was at a, a work conference during the the initial kind of group stages and so um they actually paused our conference when the US was on and we all like there were over a thousand of oh, us. We, big fan of that. we all went big into big the thing we watched on, on two giant screens and just like that experience alone is like something I'm never gonna forget. Just that feeling of being able to watch and just all these people, not even all of them football fans, just we're all here, we're all going to do this. And this, it was, it was, it was, uh, I don't know. I can't even really describe it. And so to know that we're missing that and like my, the people who were in my shoes who were kind of on the fringes of, of really watching the game and, and really getting into mm. the game. They're not going to have that. We're, we're missing, we're missing four years of that now. And so that worries me about the game in the U S as, as a whole, but hopefully uh, you know, we have new clubs coming in the MLS. Uh, some of the second and third divisions are going through a, a bunch of changes. So hopefully they can sort those out, but uh, I I'm a little bit worried about it. Uh just, just building in the future, but i bet. Yeah, you know, it's it, those are those are different issues I, I think mean, than a lot of pe- places have to deal it's with. It's
1: gutting now it's gutting now for you, but you just wait till the World Cup gets started. You'll be so gutted that you're not involved in that tournament. I mean it's yeah, just for the you know, the development of, of you know, MLS itself as well, and just the pool power and, and just getting more fans behind it. Um it's a real like sad impact almost, isn't it, for the States. I mean the you think the amount of extra supporters, you know, people that could have, you know, found a club or decided to start supporting a club as a result of, of this World Cup is crazy. Yeah, I don't know. It's going
0: to be it's going to be weird. But hey, you know, we got Zlatan as of a couple of days ago. So <laughs> <laughs> praise to that. Um, I, I saw somebody tweet something. Um, you know, I can't wait for basically for Zlatan to show up, you know, to a, a match with 7000 people on artificial turf, you know, 110 degrees. And just him go like, what, what did I do? You know, what did I, what am I doing? To do? Why did I sign up for this? But that, that's going to be,
1: it'll be an interesting one. To see, I mean, he's had the big injury. It'll be interesting to see how he bounces back from that. I mean, he had all that talk of I'm a lion six months ago when he was suggesting that he'd recovered to, you know, back to full fitness in two months. But I mean, that's not quite panned out, has it? <laughs> no, no. and. Uh, yeah.
0: And a, a lot of the, a lot of the places over here are artificial turf and it will, we'll see uh, the players don't like playing on. And I know the women's world cup, there was a lot of uh, complaints about it and lawsuits and things filed because uh, they had to play on it and the men didn't, but we'll, we'll see. We'll see. And it will give me an excuse because uh, the dynamo will head over there to, to play uh, the galaxy at some point. I think right after we get, uh, right after I return, kind of from, from England. So that will, uh, maybe be an excuse to go see him and just
1: see yeah, if I any can. old excuse. Yeah.
0: I'll, I'll take it. Um, we obviously we have the next match coming up against West Ham and we don't normally do we do these podcasts kind of so early in the week we I leave the previews to anybody else but I, I'm not really looking for like tactics or anything going into it but but just how big in your mind is this match against West Ham uh coming up on 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 Saturday.
1: Oh, it's absolutely huge. I think if if we can get a result here and pick up all three points I just think the buzz from the fans will just transpire onto the pitch as well. And I think the players will really start believing it. And I mean, at the end of the day, you'll say it is only Wigan and it is only West Ham. Um, But uh, who cares at this moment in time, we need points. Um, We need confidence. And if we can pick up those two back-to-back wins, God, it will just be an absolute dream going into those final few games. I want to make this, this final stretch fun. I mean, if we're going to, you know, we're going to throw ourselves into this situation, we might as well make it fun and we might as well try and enjoy it because, I've been so devoid of, of enjoyment and entertainment throughout this season. I'm just hoping for the fans' sake that we can at least enjoy this final stretch. A number of players can step up and we can have that feeling of optimism return where you know a number of, of, of our bigger signings maybe step up. I'd love nothing more than to see Carrillo get amongst the goals and and, you know the players the Redmond to get his first goal of the season I mean if we could get that going this weekend just be such a big boost for the players and then you know for the club I'd I'd love to see Hughes instantly go out with a similar team sheet as well. Um, I think fans will be backing him right from the off, and, you know, especially with the hostility at West Ham at the moment. Um, I think it's a a game of huge importance, not only just because of the league, you know, the league position um, and the situation that we find ourselves in, just because two like minded clubs. I think two clubs that, you know, I think whoever loses this weekend will be, you know, in that uh, next week, sorry, will be an absolute meltdown. And whoever wins is going to be you know, so happy. I mean, it's, it's a huge game. Um, and, and yeah, I'm just absolutely dying. If we can pick up a win here, I, I mean, I, I fancy ourselves to be able to beat the drop and just keep the form going.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um, kind of on that note, uh, we have kind of two questions or, or tweets and one of is a question and one of them is not directed at us, but, um, Daniel Bateman, I'll just give him uh, on Facebook posted in one of the, the forums on, on Facebook says, if Mark Hughes keeps us up, does he deserve a long-term contract? And we also have a question from, uh, Tyler Davis on Instagram. He's at Tyler Davis underscore. Do you think we should keep Hughes if we get relegated? So uh, both scenarios. Do you think Hughes is is here uh, for the long term, or do you think that this eight eight week or eight match contract this is that's it for him and he should go whether he keeps us up or not?
1: It's a really hard question. Um, I think um, my dream scenario would be that you know Hughes can keep us up, from, you know, float the boat until you know, the end of the season, um, boost a few players' confidence, get us back to where we are. We, you know, wave goodbye to Hughes, thank him. He becomes absolutely adored by Southampton fans, everyone happy. You know, Hughes has built up, you know, a bit of a better reputation after, you know, the situation that Stoke finds themselves in. We recruit a forward-thinking manager. We go again um, because I don't particularly think that I don't want to roll with Hughes for the the long run. Um, But for the situation that we find ourselves in, it's absolutely perfect. Maybe slight worry of mine is that we do so well in this final run of the season um, that we almost feel inclined to give Hughes the job. Um, you know, the thing starts, you know, a bit shaky at the start of next season and all of a sudden we're in the same situation that we were at, at you know, the beginning of last year. Um, that's a, a real worry of mine that we kick the cycle again and, and Jump right back into it, um, and if you know, if we could keep Hughes, if we got relegated, then yeah, that'd be that'd be something I'd be very happy to get beyond. Um, I think it'd all just be depending on whether Hughes feels like he's got the respect of the players, whether he feels like they're actually on board and listening to him. Um, I, I still think I think he's better than a championship manager. Um, I still think he could get a, a job in the Premier League. Um, I don't think he would have to maybe drop to that low that quick. Um, but yeah, my general feeling, um, I mean, it all depends on how we go from the rest of the season. I mean, if the football's brilliant, I mean, we and we absolutely love it and the, the, the players adore him and the fans are, are delighted with how it's gone. Who knows? I mean, I, I could be changing my mind from here till the end of the season. But at sure. this moment in time, I would say that i would expecting Hughes to, you know, steady the ship, um, take us to the end of the season we part our ways we're happy it's respectful and we but you know the big issue is then we've got to absolutely nail that next appointment because god will be the laughing stock if Hughes manages to do a brilliant job of keeping us up we appoint someone else and it it, we get a repeat of the whole Pellegrino situation
0: right right I mean mean, yeah that's, that's exactly it people are already looking at us Kind of looking at the fan base as being a bit petulant after wanting Puel out. Um, yeah, and, I mean, yeah, and, and 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 I don't really think we were. I, nobody, I mean, the football was, was awful. And mm. but you know, eighth place in a cup final. That's all. That's all anybody outside sees. They're not. They're not watching yeah.
1: every match, and so so they see the black and white, yeah. don't they? I mean, yeah. they're not the ones paying four hundred pounds to watch them on a weekly basis, right? Right. Um, and I've always said there's far more to life than just hitting that. You know, just being able to play that way. You know, you pay that much money because you go there to be entertained, to escape the rest of life. Just turn up to the stadium, watch a game of football, and just go to this other planet, almost. You know, Mm -hmm. and and sometimes it was just so depressing. (laughs) In all honesty, you know, for different reasons. To Pellegrino, Um, to be perfectly, you know, I wouldn't even put the two in the same bracket. You know, Puel is a very competent manager, um, and I've still got a lot of respect for him, Um, and I. On the whole, I don't think he'd done a particularly bad job at Saints, but my word, we we couldn't go on any longer in the situation. then. and we, as we've said countless times, the the issue was never sacking Powell; it was the the man that we decided to replace him with. Right,
0: right, all right. Um, next one is from L J underscore Cecil, and it says, if you had to choose a current member of the squad to eventually be the next long term captain, um, who would it, who would you choose for that to be, and and why do you think that person would be the kind of appropriate choice? And it's it, for me. It's kind of a tough decision. I thought that Font was the the choice for a long time. I, obviously, he was the yeah. captain. I thought he played that role uh, brilliantly up until uh, he pushed f- kind of for the move after the Euros, uh, for whatever reason that was. But um, I thought that he. I feel like we haven't replaced him yet. Even even when Vidal yeah. was captain, I don't quite think that that Font was. I, I think that was evident in kind of how we played and things like that. But uh, I think Bertrand's doing an acceptable job. But who would you who would you throw in there and why?
1: Yeah, I've, I've, I've got to admit, I, I'd agree with you there. I love the idea of having that captain who everyone in the staff, you know, everyone in the ground knows who the captain is. Um, I love that feeling of that. You know, it's just it's so good for squad morale. And I don't, I'm not really a fan of, of teams that pass the captain's armband around willy nilly. Um, I don't like it, players when they're in and out of the side and, you know, the captain's armband's his one week, then the next it's theirs. And, you know, a bad run of form comes and all of a sudden someone else is wearing the captain's armband. Um, I'd I'd either one of, of Pierre Melhoiberg, I think you'd be crazy not to. Um, he's had an unbelievable football education. He speaks so well off the pitch um, and on the pitch as well. I mean, he's barking out orders to the rest of his teammates. Um, absolute professional, um, out of the side on, on so many occasions under Pellegrino after brilliant performances, but no head down. Gets on with the new manager, um, comes out in the press conference, speaks absolutely superb. Um, seems to be a brilliant role model. Just He just gets it. Um, and he was singing the praises of Mark Hughes, which I'm sure would uh, help him if the captain's armband yeah. is, is up grabs. Um, outside of that, I think I like the idea of Ward Prowse. Maybe he comes in and out of the team too often um, to be a mainstay as captain. You know, he's he's got that that issue when you know no one. I I personally like him as a wide kind of extended midfielder, um, receiving on the right. I liked him in that role that he played at the the you know in the in the cup final. Um, when he's playing out on the right and it, you know you get the best use of his right foot um, and his it deliveries and you know adding balance to the midfield I like him there but you get that issue with ward Prowse, where suddenly the manager wants to switch formation um, and he's not a winger he's not a number 10 um, and i just simply, he's not as good at the base of midfield as Romeu, Lamina, or Hoiberg. Right. Um, so you can't chuck him in there. Um, so, yeah, on the whole, I, I think pierre or Hoiberg, I think that's one the fans would get behind. I think it's one the rest of the squad would like. Um, yeah, I, I feel like that would be a solid choice. And I think whoever we pick next, it would be nice to be able to have a conversation with them and, and say, you know, this isn't a job that we want to hand over for six months. This is something we want you to lead for two years. This is more than just wearing a captain's armband, it's, you know, leading this next group of of players back to where something should be playing.
0: Right. And on the pitch, off the pitch, you know, exactly all walks of it. We, you got to really bring it. And yeah, I, I agree with you. I don't, I don't like the, uh, I know some people don't really think the captain's arm man's a big deal. Uh, and for me, I think it is. I think it, it, when you can't pick out a captain, when you see the captain's arm man kind of being handed off, or you see, you know, when Davis gets hauled off, you know, 75 minutes in and he's got to pass the arm man to somebody. I don't like that. You know? Yeah. Um, it, yeah. it, it, it bugs me. As a, and maybe that's just me, I don't know. When from my when I played sports and things like that when when you had that captain you could look up to and know that he was out there doing it. Oh, exactly. That that that, like that. I'll get behind that all day long. But when it's just one of the dudes that doesn't deserve it and he's only got it because, you know, he's been there the longest or, you know, he sat next to the manager on the on the drive in like no, I'm not I'm not okay with that.
1: You've just kind of you know hit the nail on the head there, and I think even if if you can see a difference of what a good captain can make, even if you've even played at a, a Sunday league level or you've gone up a little higher than that, and you know the difference that a captain can make in terms of steadying the team or, or barking out a few orders, being able to change this the team shape mid game, um, being able to react to situations, and just being able to give people confidence. You know, even I'm, I'm not I've played at an awful standard, but I know if you've got a good captain. In your team I mean it helps the rest of the squad and if that if it applies at, at Sunday league level you know the worst kind of level you can play at really then you know of course it's going to be able to help in, in the Premier League and you think so often we praise Jose for his, his captain qualities and how often he dug deep and led the squad and you could see it I mean you can't hear what he's saying but you know what he, you can see the impact that he's having on the rest of the team and even players that play alongside him, you know, he's, he's they're in all kind of playing, you know, being led by this captain. Right. Um, and I think it's really important that we we do find that again. And and you know, all of our greatest success has been with with you know a captain in in that role. Um, and behind any team is a, is a strong organization of you know the manager knows his place, the captain knows his place. There's an organized hierarchy within the club. Um, and I think if you want to be a successful club, you need to you need to find that.
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely, uh, absolutely. Um, let's see. One more uh, here on Instagram, it says, if you had to pick one, this is from the Saints FC zone, uh, if you had to pick one FA Cup or staying in the Premier League, uh, which, which would you go with? I know this has been a kind of a topic of debate and people uh, both have really serious answers for this and also just seem to throw it away. But uh, what, what do you think about it?
1: God, that's uh, such a difficult question. I mean, the the easiest thing would be to ask the Wigan fans um, who did win the FA Cup and go down and they all say it was worth it. Um, But whether they're just saying that because (laughs) they're they're in League One, I don't know. Um, (laughs) I... Oh, it's it's a hard one because I re- I really enjoyed many of, of the times, you know, supporting Southampton in League One and the Championship. And a lot of the time it did have a, especially over the past year and a half, it certainly had a more homely feel to it. Um, and maybe you feel that there's a lot more fans around you that are all reading from the, the same hymn sheet. Um, one of those situations where you feel like the people that are there genuinely do want to be there and it's a little less commercial. Um, but, oh, God, you put me on the spot here, Matt. I'm sorry. Uh, sorry. I will say sorry. <laughs> uh go on, FA Cup win. We've only ever we only ever one major trophy in our club's history. Um, so to be part be able to watch that and be of the generation that got to watch us win it um for the first time since seventy six, I, I don't think I could turn that down. And I mean who would say, you know, oh do you remember that season when Southampton stayed up in two thousand and eighteen? And you'll go, uh yeah, roughly. But, you know, do you remember the FA Cup win in two thousand eighteen? You Bloody bet I do. Right, so right. <laughs> yeah, I think I'd, I'd have to go for the FA Cup one.
0: I see. I, for me, I just based on the fact that I live where I live, I, I have to say stay up because I want to be able to watch, you know, Yeah. Um, I, I, I love, I love the coverage that we get uh, via the, through the website and um, you know, with, with Blackmore and, and, and Marrington, but God, being able to watch and just being able to mute the commentators yeah. and watch and just, you know, take Dude. it in for better or worse. I would miss that week in week out and maybe i'd i'd appreciate it a little bit more um because i if i only got to see it you know at once a month because that's when they would be televised or whatever maybe that's that's yeah. it but i i don't begrudge anybody wanting the fa cup win and it, if i lived there if i was in southampton it would it would definitely be the fa cup win but it's just me being selfish uh, wanting want system in <laughs> premier league which uh, i'll be I i'll, can't be, blame honest. You I'll be honest I'd with get
1: it. get coverage on a weekly basis yeah. i mean why wouldn't why wouldn't you on that
0: Yeah. And I, I, and I have seen some of the, you know, stuff, if, if we win the FA cup and go down, you know, maybe this cleans out the riffraff in the, in the, in the, in the fan zone. And it's like, I always look at that and go like, I'm not even going to touch that because I don't know if they're talking about me. I don't know who they're talking about, but I'm not. I'm not in there to uh, mix it up with some dude who's been going to games oh, since, chose, since 75 That one
1: drives. It does drive me mad. That that comment. You know the the whole. You know if they haven't. You know just supporting it because of that or whatever. You know if someone. I think if someone supports the club, they support the club. Bottom line, and you know you can wait and see, and when maybe if it go they go to the championship and then they stop supporting, then may then you can have your dig to them. Then you right. can you know, <laughs> then you can pop your you know laugh at them and you know make your comments if need be. But you know if someone's a a saint supporter and they keep proving they are a saint supporter then you know keep backing them they're a saint supporter is a saint supporter at the end of the day yeah
0: yeah um and yeah, I, yeah some people come in and the, you know they're on twitter for one day they got 27 followers and they're having to go at matt leticia and and that's not i think if you're that guy you deserve all the abuse you get but if, oh, exactly. <laughs> if you just come in and you put your head down and just kind of you know try to learn and try to ask questions and things like that i think that's all like that's all that's all we're here for i'm trying to learn and oh exactly and, 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 exactly. and I'm, I'm enjoying the heck out of it um so we got one more kind of serious question and then uh, one not so serious question, and then we'll kind of uh, wrap it up. And uh, this one comes from uh, Tan May. He's on Twitter at Forever underscore. And it says, why is Tadic consistently good for his country uh, and not for his club? I mean, for Saints, he's consistently been uh, a crap player uh, for, you know, this year maybe last year. And we, we kind of talked about it a little bit, but he, he does seem to score more goals for, for Serbia, uh, whether that's the position he's put in, uh, whether that is the players that are around him or what he's expected to do or just the style of football they play, I don't really know. Um, but I know that that, that under under Koeman especially, he had such a great run there that last year under Powell he didn't. He was one of those players that maybe didn't perform as well under Powell as he did under uh, yeah. under, under So, uh, I don't know. Do do you, do you have any ideas about that, or is it just kind of one of those things where hopefully he brings that form back and can and can replicate it under Hughes? Or, or how do you feel about that?
1: I think on, I, I'd say definitely I would agree, you know, on the eye, he's definitely been a worse player to watch. Um, and I would I would say that it's fair to assume that he has regressed. Um, but I don't think quite to the extent that many people would suggest. Um, I mean, statistically, it, it, in his, his XG expected goals that he records on a 90 minute basis um and his expected assists is still pretty high up there in the Premier League. Um I mean generally speaking, he he, he is what slams and expect in the position that we want, numbers wise, produces what uh, we'd be hoping for as a you know eighth place to sixth place side. Um I think you've got to look at the issues that he hasn't particularly formed a a partnership um, quite with another centre forward like he did with Graziano Pella, um, but and you know you've got to think about Tadic here as well. You know he's he's probably looking around and thinking a few seasons ago I was picking out Pella, Mane, um, and an informed Shane Long, and now <laughs> I've only got one. Now I've only got one. You know centre forward majority of the time. You know he's playing it through to wingers who are then trying to cut it back to the you know to the centre forward, and he's not laying it through to wingers who are as direct and and goal focused and. You know, we had inside forwards there before. Mane was getting his 14 goals in a season. So you know, Tadic is playing with players less end product at the end of the day. You know, you can't expect him to notch up the same amount of assists when you know we we haven't at the end, you know quite simple haven't got the the same goal scorers that we did before. Um, so I think he has been harmed by it. Um but I also, you know, Tadic has got that body language sometimes that just kind of gets under the skin of fans. It does. Um and it's 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 one of those. He's he's a luxury player, um, he's a skillful player, and when you're playing well, he's an absolute joy to watch and he's right at the heart of it. Um but when the team's struggling to get the ball into, you know, play fast play, struggling to play between the lines, naturally Tadich is gonna struggle. Um and I think sometimes it's I can understand why fans throw a lot of criticism towards him, but sometimes, you know, I can understand how Tadic has been in a difficult situation. Um, and he, he, you know, you know, if you do look beyond the, the data, he is, he's still putting in his work um, and he's not as bad as many people suggest. And, you know, at times maybe abuse him before. Yeah,
0: absolutely. I think I, I like watching Tadic. And like you said, when he's, he's playing it through to Mane, uh, he's playing it through to Long, who is coming on and, and kind of now running at defenses who are tired and who have been run at all game and are just worn down. Uh, when he has Pelo to pick out and or to pick the ball up off of when it when it's being kind of mm. knocked down to him, that's much, much different than him trying to all of a sudden being shoved out to the right and trying to swing it across to Carrillo who hasn't yeah. scored all, all season. You know, that, that- I
1: mean, also he knew his role back then. He knew exactly where he played in the side and he knew he had repeated kind of functions in the team you know, he'd get it to the left-hand side and he'd hit up those lovely little dink left-footed balls onto the head of Pella. Um, and he knew the runs that Marnie would make. Um, and as you say, when Shane would come on late, he knew he could, you know, maybe look to play the ball over the top of the defence. And, and he, he always had his, you know, number 10 position or, 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 you know, when he went, when he would play as the 10 or when he would move out onto the wing, he always knew his area, his role in the side. And over the past year and a half, he's played on the right, he's played on the left. He's played behind the forward, and not one of them's clicked. You know, at the end of the day, if if you're gonna be a player that stands out throughout the entirety of the season, you have your place, and you have your place nailed. Um, I think it's also been an issue for, for within the rest of the squad. You know, Tadic sometimes shouldn't have been moved from a position, and then does get shifted around because other players aren't quite stepping up or, or what have you. Um, I think it all comes back to you know we didn't have recruit enough goal scorers in our squad, and and if Tadic maybe had you know his set position. And we had recruited, right? And we had a player, say, of, you know, the Quincy Promes mold, and we had Austin up top. And with Gabiadini to come off the bench and maybe one other goal scoring player, if Tadic had his, you know, he was a mainstay in one position throughout the season, I'd I'd expect him to get double digits of of assists throughout the year. Um, His finishing does drive me insane. Uh, And for someone so technically able, I can't believe how much he leans back. I mean, that is just the absolute basics of of (laughs) the. my dad was screaming to that for me on the sidelines from eight years old and Tadic is still leaning back when he hits the ball. Yeah. Uh, but, but yeah, I mean, I can understand the frustrations.
0: Yeah, no, uh, frust- uh, frustrations for sure. But like he's, like he said, like you pointed out, it's, it's, I think it's a symptom uh, similar to Romeo. This is not maybe down to one player. This is, there's, there's maybe there's something else there that, that is kind of leading to this. And, Hopefully, hopefully Hughes will sort it out. And and if you yeah, can't, can't sort it out with him, maybe, maybe, I mean, I don't care who plays these eight games as long as we win.
1: Yeah, exactly. And I think a lot of people as well. I think I, I kind of don't like it when players like Tadic get so much disrespect sometimes, especially because he's been here for so many years. I, think, I imagine he's loved his time at Southampton. I think mean, people are forgetting how many years he's actually spent here. And from as a Serbian, he was playing in the Eredivisie. You know, he he must have absolutely loved his time here. And I'd love for us to, you know, when we do, Tadic does eventually move on, for us to, like, you know, have nothing but fond memories of, of Tadic. And, I mean, in a few years, I imagine we might be going on to say, God, the things we do for a, a Dušan Tadic, you know, today or what have you. Right. Um, yeah, I think he's he's been a brilliant player for the club um, and I'm just hoping, you know, good bit of form at the end of the season with Hughes, keep him for another year and get him back up to his best because, I mean, Talic, I'm sure, will be the first to agree. He hasn't been up to his usual standard. He is one of the few players who
0: has been there almost since the beginning of my time starting to watch who's been a consistent first-team yeah. player and so uh, to, to watch him and and see him. I think maybe that has something to do with the reason why kind of why I like him similar to Bertrand, you know, those guys, have, yeah. they're, they're consistent. And when you see, when I look at these, some of the other teams where it's, you know, that guy wasn't there last year, you know, where did he come from? He's played, He's played for yeah. he's had four appearances. I don't, I don't like that idea. I, I like the fact that he is consistent, uh, or consistently in the team. And maybe I have uh, a love for him for, for that, but you know, who knows? Um, all right. One more question. Um, this is from Dan who's at Holy Hoiberg uh, and he says, who's the most attractive manager you've ever experienced at saints FC. He's going to go with potch. Um, for me, I only have four to choose from. It's Pochettino, yep. Kuman, uh, Pellegrino, and now Hughes. And two of those are out immediately. Um, and, and so I, I, I think, you know, Kuman's out, um, mm-hmm. Puel's out. Yep. Uh, Hughes is handsome ish. <laughs> um, and so I don't know, I think, I think maybe I have to go with Pochettino as well, but, but I mean, you have, you have a preference there? Or anybody, you've been watching him for a lot longer than me. So, so what do you think?
1: Yeah, I'd, I'd, Mauricio, Mauricio's the man. It's got to be, it's got to be surely. And in terms of the, the football side of things, I'd, I'd go, I'd say Pochettino's was the most enjoyable to watch. Definitely. Uh, I'd say Comans was the most effective. But in terms of just fun and just loving football and loving the players and loving the squad, um, you'd, you'd be absolutely barking mad to look past Nigel Adkins. I mean, that, that team, it just are. Oh, honestly, Matt, yeah, that team, yeah. I, I wish you could have been there at St. Mary's experiencing that team and that crop of players come through at that time. I mean, it was just like such a special team. And it's one of those that genuinely might not get another squad collective like that for for god knows how many years. You know it's one of those absolute joy to to like be able to watch that team on a weekly basis. Um but but yeah, for for Dan's question, uh I would be inclined to agree with Potch.
0: So, I I all of a sudden had a moment of horror in the middle of your answer. When I when I, I'll be honest, when I read his question, I was thinking like actual attractiveness of the manager.
1: <laughs> yeah, no, that's what I originally thought. Okay, okay.
0: And then and then and then yeah, and then I I mean you mentioned like the moment you mentioned tactics, I went like, Oh my God, what if he was actually talking about the football? Not, um,
1: well, Dan's got his answers for both. He's got, his yes, answers thank for you. Both. Okay.
0: But, but, um, so, so in my managerial, uh, hotness, uh, bracket here, I've, I've just, I've seated them based on just where they are in the table. Not, there's no, I, I didn't yeah. want to put anything in there. Um. You have a prediction. Pochettino is a four seed. He's going to get a buy in the first round. He's going to get the winner of Benitez or Parju, which I think actually they voted Benitez through. Which means people were just looking at who the better manager was, uh, not who was the most handsome. So Pochettino, I think, gets a gets a a leg up through through the second round. But uh, you have a you have a predicted winner because this will be done by the time the episode comes out. So we'll see if you're correct.
1: Predicted winner. Oh, I feel like Pochettino's pretty liked now from Southampton fans. I feel like we've all kind of got over the whole way things left and we've kind of just grown to appreciate it. So I think Poch would be right up there. I think you've got to count out Wenger. It's not going to be Klopp because we're talking about a Saints FC hashtag here. Right. So it's going to be Klopp. Not going to be Conte. So that's got to be between Pep, Poch and uh, maybe, maybe no, Wenger. No, so Pep or Poch. I'm going to go with Poch.
0: Okay. All right. I don't know. I, uh, I kind of like, I like Guardiola, but I'm short, bald and have a beard. So maybe that's something,
1: um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah,
0: it's definitely not going to be Mourinho,
1: you know, nobody, nobody likes him. Sean Dyche. I love, I love Sean Dyche. <laughs> I absolutely adore that. Like I'd love him get to get into a final, get All into right. it. I'd like a Pochettino Dyche final.
0: We'll see. We'll see if he can get there, but, uh, yeah, but, but thank you Aiden for, for joining the, the show and having a little bit of fun and making the international break, you know, not as, as boring as it as it as it could be, because I think I think there's still, you know, it's not as easy to talk about things because they're not so out in the open, they're not so blatant and in your face. But yeah, uh, there are still things going on that that have an impact going on uh, down the road for the rest of the season. And uh, just being able to hear your thoughts on all this stuff and and talk a little bit about World Cup and all that stuff, it's it's been great. So so thanks. And uh, is there anything else you'd kind of like to add before you we? we-
1: Call it a day. No, absolute pleasure joining you, Matt. Um, and yeah, just if you know anyone fancies a good old read, um, then just make sure that you head over to freshsaints.com. Um, and be sure to look out for our our daily mail uh, match reports. Um, always on my personal account at Mister Aiden Small. Um, or on the Fresh Saints account at Fresh Saints.
0: All right, and those are you know all the links and stuff will be in the show notes. And I try really hard to pay attention to when you guys put things out and try to put them out as well. And uh, because I do enjoy reading the stuff, and and I always think it's a it's you know not sometimes you read things and you go like why did I read that and then you know, <laughs> I, I don't feel that way when I read your stuff so uh, well, thanks I would thanks say for that's
1: a comp- very good compliment thank you <laughs> uh, no
0: it, it, you guys are doing all the work so thank you because I've I've tried writing a little bit and is not I can't it's not it's not it's not going so uh, <laughs> I'll I'll leave that to you guys and I'll just keep hitting record and then uh, trying to edit out all my ums so uh, but, sounds so thanks, all good to me. <laughs> yeah, All right, man. Well, thank you. Very welcome. And that concludes episode 64 of the Southampton delivery podcast. Thank you so much for joining us. I hope that you've enjoyed it. Special thanks to my guest this week, Aiden small. You can find him on Twitter at Mr. Aiden small or at fresh saints. And if you haven't done so already, be sure to check out fresh com. Lots of great writing from Aiden and all of the rest of the contributors to that website. Uh, never been disappointed when I've been there. Uh, And I don't say that lightly because you only have so much time to read uh, and listen and things like that. So if you're listening to this, uh, I think you will enjoy that writing. And if not, uh, then you don't have to read it again, but I think you will. So uh, special thanks to him for taking the time to join the show. And uh, I hope that he had a good time. I had a good time talking to him. I always do. So, uh, yeah. Also, special thanks to everybody who took the time to send in questions on both Instagram and Twitter and Facebook. Uh, Always appreciate that. And you can continue to get in touch with us there at SFC D E L L underscore I V E R Y on Twitter or Instagram. And we're on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash SFC Del There's no underscore in the Facebook address. And of course the Facebook address doesn't matter if you've already deleted it. Additionally, you can email the show at southamptondelivery at gmail.com uh, or you can leave us an iTunes review or a review wherever you listen to podcasts. Uh, just go ahead and do that. It's always nice to see those as well. If you're a first time listener, you'd like to subscribe to the show. You can do that to make sure that you get each new episode without having to go look for it when it comes out. All you have to do is take the podcast app you're listening to right now and hit subscribe. That's it. Thanks also goes out to Matt Beeling of the We Are Southampton page on Instagram for match day edits polls competitions and more be sure to check out the we are southampton page on instagram matt has been a huge help to this show since the very beginning he did the logo for the show uh, i can't think of enough so be sure to check that out and i think that about wraps it up uh, special thanks to the saints report who are our official kind of partners uh, be sure to check them out on twitter instagram or facebook and until next time remember that together we march on